You're listening to the Sound Girls Podcast with Tori and Katie. Today's episode features an interview with Foley artist Lise Wedlock. Based in Montreal, Canada, she has worked on hundreds of movies since the 80s and is the winner of the 2020 Canadian Screen Arts Award for Achievement in Sound Editing for Song of Names. Using her background in dance and physical theatre, she enhances the characters, timing and textures of a film soundtrack. She has worked as a sound designer on many live-action and animated TV series. Being in the mix and creating with the directors and musicians has helped her to better integrate her Foley sound effects on feature films. The source is the base of the recording process. Bringing real organic objects into the recording studios and playing along with picture under severe time restraints is quite the recording session. Hey all, welcome again to the Sound Girls podcast. This is Tori. This is Katie Pagich. And I'm so excited to welcome Lisa Wedlock from Montreal. Hey, thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. I just want to say I found you because you worked on Arthur, which is like my favorite show as a kid and like into my teen years, um, which is like excessive, but I love Arthur. Yeah, I did the first 30 episodes. They've done like 300, but... Yeah, but the first ones are the best ones, so... (laughs) Of course. And actually, um, if you want to talk sound on Arthur, that was one of the first... I, I did the Foley on it. There was a sound designer, but at that time, we were really working on having a natural live action soundtrack which is unknown for cartoons at the time and there's full ambiences sound effects and foley tracks uh full footsteps for everybody and they wanted to make it really realistic and and i think the foley really helped doing that That's yeah. I mean, it, it probably was, you know, the, the immersive sound and just the great storylines. Like Arthur's it, fantastic. It was probably that sound that you heard uh, on the Arthur that got you into film in the first place. <laughs> you were responsible for me being here for my career. I, I and I'll be forever grateful. I was wondering why you got in touch with me. <laughs> Well, it's great. Then it's really nice to talk with young women that are getting involved in sound, and it is a great new medium. I feel it's the newest, uh, the NVMR or the ninth art. It's uh, a whole sound for pictures, a, a good place to be. Miss Wedlock, let's start from the beginning. Why sound? How did you get into this whole gig? Start with the hardest question, I guess. You never really know when you start because you never really know where you're going to end up. (laughs) I didn't expect to end up in sound effects. I started dancing with the National Ballet at four years old every Tuesday afternoon. And I was with them taking ballet classes and no recitals, just ballet classes and learning how to be a professional artist, really, until I was about 12. Because you didn't, you just practice, practice, practice. You never perform. So that taught me how to move and how to treat art professionally and that it's a serious thing and you got to work on it. And then from there, I kind of got sick of the traditional straight ballet and I went more into alternative theater an alternative ballet, which was just in, this was in the 70s, and Martha Graham and alternative dance was just kind of 
creating. People were taking off their point shoes and wah. And also alternative theater was becoming more. It was the birth of Cirque du Soleil was then, but before then was Mum and Shans and Chinese dance theaters, uh, circus, acrobats, that kind of multimedia almost. And I always liked working in film, but from the alternative theater, I got more and more into a corporal movement and working with Etienne de Creux and Jacques Lecoq, the clown and uh, corporal mime uh, masters from Paris. And I went to Paris and studied with them and went to Montreal to study with uh, those same mime folks. So mime, th- I went to sound through mime basically, but (laughs) that's like the extreme opposite. Yeah, it is. But they're both what communication without dialogue. And that's the common denominator. That's the common thing that I, my interest is language. It's a language. Sound effects is as much a language as mime is or dialogue or music. And it makes you think you can make people think different things. And the mime, it comes in the theater and the corporal movement, because when I am recording all of the sound effects in a film, so we start with footsteps and we do all the manipulations of objects, I watch the final cut and I mime at the same in sync with the character in order to recreate the sound. And you have to put character in it, intention, location, And so you are creating this language without dialogue. And then so through that, I met a Foley artist and I said, if you ever want an an assistant. And so I assisted him for a couple of years. And then I found that there was actually a need for Foley artists and that my work in mime kind of gave me an edge. A lot of the other Foley artists were either dancers or musicians. And that's all great, (laughs) but we do one thing you get on with our natural sound effects, with Foley sound effects, is their natural rhythms. You have to get away from the 4-4, and that's hard for people to do, that dancers and musicians are so used to the 4-4. And often when you're walking, you are walking in a 4-4 time or in a regular beat, but many of the things are not necessarily as rhythmic as a melody or as a music. So it becomes a choreography and doing brush strokes is one of the harder things to do and because you know, there's no reason why they take three little shots, three shots and then two little ones and then one long one. And you don't know why and you kind of just got to learn that choreography. And then you go back and you do it in rhythm. That's so interesting. Like you never think about that, right? No, not at all. Yeah, sweeping, paintbrushes, those are all kind of the hardest things. Okay, I want to know how you mic a paintbrush. I mean, how are you capturing all of all of the Foley sound effects? Well, all really the work is done in the studios that are the best in town, right? And there's Foley Studio is one of the more expensive studios <laughs> because it has to be so specific. 
and we worked with Pro Tools and Sonosax and really nice equipment and really nice Sennheisers and Newmans uh, for a soft sound. And where all there's all kinds of controversy of how to mic and what mic to use and some recordists like some and some like the other and the question of whether to match with the original on set boom or to go in so you can capture more close things I find the shotguns are nice because you get a lot of torque but you don't get the velvety undertones (laughs) and podcast listeners this is what it takes to actually record a paintbrush but uh, paintbrushes you want to get in close because it's a small sound right and getting in close is a really good thing to do getting in with a nice sennheiser and then uh, the recordist will tweak it with the sonosax and 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 you get a lot of texture and we were trying to go for texture and then the recordist who is also pro tools operators they'll cut the sink and help me out a lot (laughs) because the long ones are actually the harder ones to edit and you can't do too many taps because like you're miking for the brush and but then if you do a tap you'll blow up you're in nice and close for the thing so you've got to be careful not to do that to your recordist and by surprise. <laughs> and everyone, I mean, you can't see this, but you can hear it in her voice. She is just smiling ear to ear, which <laughs> I, just makes this experience so amazing to me. I love, I love your passion talking about. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> well, I've been doing it for 35 years. And once I started doing Foley, I stopped doing theater and I had a role in a children's show and then I got asked to do assisting and I waitressed while I was because when you're assisting you don't get paid very much and and it wasn't easy and people don't want to (laughs) really believe you and (laughs) that you can do it and and I was doing 50 films a year for a while and before that I was doing a lot of tv I stopped doing tv well when you're doing episode tv you're really cooking there too and like I was saying before that it's expensive you have no time to like you know I don't have I don't have it well don't tell me that (laughs) we're in front of the mic it's time to have the prop and you gotta have the prop you can't be looking for the prop so I really I ask for picture and I make a list before and I work with one assistant. If you're lucky, some now they want, they're cutting out the assistant. So you got to get your, all of your props ready. And the idea with having an assistant is they set up the props for the next scene so that once you've finished recording, you just bring in the next props and it's quite, well, it's like music in that way. When we're talking about these short deadlines, what are we talking here? And like when you get signed onto a project to do Foley, what does that process look like? Well, in my 50 films a year, basically I have been doing National Film Board and feature films. So I go from like a short film that I have two days to do or a feature film, Song of Names, you know, Howard Short Music, Francois Girard, we won the award, all that. (laughs) And um, that that's still only 
with a lot of pressure on the post-production producer, 12 days to redo the whole film. Uh, pretty, man, pretty well everything that a human touches or human or a beating heart touches. So you just, you barely have time to do it twice. So your sink has to be really hot. You've got to get the props there. If you're doing a smaller film or something like that, even you just have two days because they have no budget, it's still just as hard, almost harder, because you have to do the whole arc of a film, whether it's a 20-minute film or a 120-minute film. It's pretty well the same arc. You've got to find the same locations, the same props. You just use them more often in a feature film. So so then you you book your days in your studio uh, hopefully a few months before so book your studio early ladies and gentlemen don't wait till your final cut is cut because <laughs> it never happens anyway <laughs> So we like to work as after a final cut we used to have in the old days was called a final cut but now there's changes made on the final cut right up till delivery <laughs> but mainly the sound post is done as soon as you have a final cut and for a feature film which is the most complete because you're using the sound effects for the international version whenever they talk then you have to have sound effects to uh, create the dub version, and that's a base, but also you want to be able to enhance the original track or replace, which is often the problem of background sounds, most exteriors, even most interiors. If you got a creaky floor and your crew is making too much movement, so any pan or zoom needs to be redone. So you replace pretty well everything, at least 80%. Also, this song of names, because of it's about these musicians, and it was recorded with London Symphony, but they re-recorded all the music in the film in Montreal, and they rented a church for three days and did all the source music and the, the orchestral, like, re-recorded everything. So whenever he's playing in the living room or in a casual setting, that's all redone. And so the foley all around it has to be redone. All the manipulation when he brings the violin up to his neck or at the end when he let releases, those kind of things, like, they... They sell, they sell the reproduction very, very well. And a lot of times that's what Foley will do for you is bring in the little human element that makes it feel realistic. So this film, you get 12 days. Uh, usually we set up the time schedule. Half of the time is footsteps and cloth movements. And then you have the same amount of time to do all of the specific manipulation of props. So you go through three passes. First pass is the clothing moves where I surround myself with all the different. And then that we're really studio location in a booth. Uh, so there's no room coming off and you're close mic and that's when your shotgun's good too. Although the, it's sometimes a little too harsh and and you can't go off mic with a shotgun. And when I'm doing cloth movements and stuff to get the realism, a lot of the time with the Newman omnidirectional, you can go 
more around the mic and it just still sounds even better. Like, you know, it just, instead of disappearing or turning into something weird. So that's the difference of those mics. So the cloth movements and then taps with somebody taps on your shoulder. And also because we're close to the mic, we do all kisses as well. (laughs) But I've noticed with the pandemic, they don't even have kissing anymore. So that would save us some time. (laughs) A whole pass. (laughs) Sometimes there's breathing. Um, to be done and stuff. So while I'm set up with that mic set up, I like to go and do all those things because now with Pro Tools and digital, you can move around from one frame to another. We work by reels in feature film, 20-minute reels, like the old days, just so that it doesn't get too heavy. So it's anywhere from like 18 to 22 minutes a reel. So I'll do a reel one cloth movement, and then I'll go back to the beginning. And we started doing all interior footsteps, because that's actually the same setup as the cloth movements here in the studio room. Then we'll save the exterior footsteps for another pass because they get complicated with mud and snow and forests and gravel. Right. <laughs> and so I'll do real two cloth and interiors. And then we'll, so we'll do the whole film cloth movements and interiors. Then we go back and we'll do all the footstep exteriors. And that's off, you know, setting up whatever you need, depending on the film and some of these films when they go four seasons you got to do it all. <laughs> you got snow, you got forest, you got summer, you got What is what was the largest amount of sound effects that you had to create for a movie? It's called Hashalaga Land of Souls and it's from the same director François Girard who is from uh, Red Violin fame. He's really one of Canada's greatest directors for decades. But he made for the 350th anniversary of Montreal, and it goes back 350 years. It starts modern day, and it goes back 800 years to the 1200s and through four different uh, eras. So you've got cell phones, you've got peace pipes, you've got everything of the four different eras you have to find. There's just uh, tons of people and the different armies on foot with their musketeers running, chasing the guy through the forest and in the river. And like, they're not just sitting in their police car talking on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the more people, the more eras, the more props, the more locations, the more you have to set up. But you just set it up and it's kind of like doing a theater piece because you set it up and you perform it and then you move on to the next scene. When you watch your movies again, like, do you hear a sound and go, that was me? Like, I know I did that. I remember what it sounded like. Like, do you recognize your work in movies? Well, these good ones are very well mixed. (laughs) Um, And no, Mm -hmm. uh, if it's a really good mix and a good thing I mean I know what I did um and when I can't tell then it's really good <laughs> mix oh it's a good sign it's a it's good, a good mix sign. but right my I I'm known for 
very realistic sound. So that's the that's the point, is that the producer and director think that the wow, have you ever cleaned up that online? Like they think that their sound recordist is a genius, and he goes up or she goes up and thank you very much. <laughs> I recorded that so cleanly. There's like set. 95% yeah. replacement. <laughs> that was me, the Foley artist. Yeah, yeah. but it, you know, it's a real team effort. I oh, mean, yeah. the sound designer works with, and the ambiences have a huge amount to play, and the sound designer and sound effects editors and transitions we were making uh, in a film that we started with a a kid was riding his bike and um, then goes to his mother listening to the radio and so we went from the tire uh, scratch to the radio scratch I don't even know if it was as literal as that but um, try and make transitions work making cuts work and um, we really do treat cuts it's a big part of our our job description and the more cuts the harder it is so thank you directors who have worked on commercials and are now working in (laughs) feature films and put as many cuts as they can because we have to treat each one the sound team does a lot of cleaning up there's a lot of post work done that maybe people don't notice right and um Mm -hmm. so it's like where can your moment be just to do a little embellishment just a little emotional touch Mm -hmm. do you have any stories about moments that that you had your moment to sing or that you really uh stepped into a character to just take it to the next level through sound i try to look for places where can i enhance the character where can you enhance the location where can you enhance and footsteps are a big part of it um, because it they do tell location right away. You know, gravel is very different than a marble floor. It tells that are you on a farm or you're in a castle, like right away. And they tell location and they tell intention, whether you're going fast or slow or drunk or snooty or <laughs> a dancer or whatever. And the, the character... Are they a big person? Are they wearing rubber boots or are they wearing high heels? Or You're always looking for chances to push the story, right? The story's our master always, even if there isn't one yet. (laughs) (laughs) It's the movement, the action, but the story. And do you want to make this character more drunk or less drunk? Or, you know, I, I, I always think of this one film where... This actress was coming in. She had kind of big boots and she was walking into a place that was supposed to be three in the morning and she was really quiet, but she's like boom, 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 walking around. And when you're looking at the picture without sound, it's amazing how you don't see what's going on. And and we have it, uh, we call it, I'm thinking in French and English at the same time with the stories. So... Yeah, the factor la en la voir, the the now you see it factor because mm. you didn't see it before. And I was doing these big for Bernard Raymond. He's a very well 
respected Quebecois director and we've done trilogies and he's very, very slow. All his films, you'll follow one character. Lots of times you'll just be walking, walking. And so there's this, this, this girl comes and stops and she stops and it's a big shot of her feet. And there was a little pebble got kicked across the screen. So I kicked the little pedal. So she stopped and then the pebble goes by. And you go, oh, I've never seen that. Oh, my God. It's so good. <laughs> love that one little really pebble. Yeah, because it kind of enhanced the scene of her loneliness even more mm-hmm. because the little pebble kind of echoed on and and he hadn't even seen the pebble before. So <laughs> it was a little bonus for him. Wow. So. I love that. So when it comes to seeing a film in a theater, I know it's, you know, we're getting back into that now with the COVID world, slowly but surely. But can you actually go to the movies and enjoy a film knowing what you do? Or would you prefer not to watch a film and just hear about it later ruined for life you mean (laughs) yeah pretty much are you ruined for life i guess i'm ruined for life (laughs) and you will all be now too (laughs) oh thanks can't wait movie magic down the drain oh you'll be checking the sync on everything now nothing's in sync so have fun (laughs) no that was mean but true um (laughs) I I can I watch it from a professional standpoint. It's hard for me just to get into a film, um, but I enjoy like uh, I enjoy seeing where you, people are going with sound and and the the new atmosphere. Sound is just amazing in the theaters, and I like to go to the theater even just to hear the music just because it's so nice. Yeah. I'm a real credits watcher. I love to even just listen to the music. But when you asked that question, I was just thinking about one of the first times I went to uh, in Atmos, uh, here in Atmos film, um, was The Return of Mary Poppins. And it's got lots of fantasy, so there's lots of room for sound and stuff. But uh, and, it, and I was enjoying all that. But I, one thing I noticed with them... There was just a normal door close, but I noticed there was a bassy door in the back and a, a different door in the front, and I thought that was very interesting. <laughs> when I go to see Mary Poppins, I'm actually listening to the door sounds. <laughs> was it interesting bad or interesting good, this different door? I liked it. Oh, I, you it liked was it. weird. Mm-hmm. But it's the first time I'd I'd really heard two different sound effects for the same yeah. moment, and using two different doors, and it re- and one in the back and one in the front, really felt big. <laughs> so, like in your workflow, because you're talking about like twelve days, which is like nothing yeah. to do a whole movie to do all these different, just hundreds of items. So, how do you get the movements down? Like, how does the re- rehearsal uh, factor in? When does that happen? Rehearsal. <laughs> At four in the morning, I go over it in my head. It's <laughs> <laughs> an industry secret. It's all, it's all in the noggin. Yeah, four in the morning, the industry secret. <laughs> 
rehearsal. That's, I guess, the first five years of my career was the rehearsal part. <laughs> when I'm going through the film, like I go through it, and I'll find if there are certain sequences, I'll even go through it at home first just to get a certain sequence. Or I'll, while we're setting up, I might go and have a look at the picture and and go over it. Basically, while I'm doing the cloth track, I'm grabbing the sink for the footsteps. And while I'm doing the footsteps, I'm grabbing the sink for the specifics. Oh. That's, multitasking yeah and then and then so like and I'm catching time codes all the time like uh, of a what we haven't done or what something might be somewhere and b if I've got an off sync so or heaven forbid there is a like a knee crack or something I'll catch the time code and keep going and then catch oh and then but I'll say it, it's all pretty good except the footstep at 1024 and there's a crack at 1027. And they go, oh, thanks. Right. And they'll go clean it up. And then I, How do you do that? That's, that's I guess, the secret of someone who's been doing it so long. You can catch the time codes. That's like baffling to me. Like it's astounding. Yeah. yeah. And I, I have to have time code and I time code is our script. The lists we make, like, you know, we call them lists, don't even know what, I call them like partition, partitions, they call them the music sheets is what they are, our lists with the time code and who's in it and what's going to do it. And time code is our only hope. <laughs> and the director of the music, oh, can you in scene three when, the, when they're at the kitchen do this? Sorry about the voice of the director. <laughs> but it's like, what time code is that at, please? <laughs> I don't know about scene three. Scenes, right? Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> storyboard. We don't have a storyboard. <laughs> so what advice would you have for someone who is looking to get into the Foley industry? How, how do they go about that nowadays? Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. <laughs> it's hard to get in. It's hard to stay in. It's hard to find new young folk. Do you need new people? Do you, yes. Oh, really? Really? Yes. Oh, my God. Mentor me. I'll do it. No, I'm clumsy. <laughs> oh, but clumsy. I'm clumsy. Well, that's great. <laughs> I can play a clumsy character. I have no Come rhythm. Down. Just what we're looking for. <laughs> Salt. No, but um, I, I kind of think, I kind of think you should check out the mime schools. <laughs> But people don't make that connection. Oh, I would love to. And I ordered the actors. In France, it's part of the actors' union. Mm. Here, we're not part of anybody's union. But ATSI's trying to. But I've kind of stopped doing it recently, doing the full M&Es and everything. And um, it's really hard to find people. Like, there's three or four people in Montreal that are doing it and they're getting all the work and they've been doing it for dozens of years and they're getting old too. <laughs> so 
and the the budgets and and it's kind of disrespected people don't really know who it is you're not paid at all near i my 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 daily rate hasn't changed since the 80s ladies and gentlemen i mean and i've tried to get it busted up and i they <laughs> sorry we don't have that in the budget but can you do twice as much in three days less? <laughs> sure. No. Or else we'll get somebody else. Or, and then we'll, or they'll just... Cut from a library. But you can't, you can't edit. You can't. We can do it so much faster than an edit. And you don't even have things in the library. And the main problem with effects from the library is proximity. Yes. To the microphone, please. And which is changing constantly in Foley. And uh, does it, is it in the right room? Is it interior, exterior? And uh, Yeah, Foley is hugely important and it shouldn't be overlooked. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and now with uh, green screen and animated, like it's everywhere now. And as soon as you use it, you got to have recording. You got to have replacement recording. Anyways, I'm really glad that um, you women are taking up um, the sound gauntlet and moving on to a nice future with sound and go out there and being creative. And remember, the source is your most best ally as a sound recordist, right? We can talk all the tech we want, and it's nice to talk tech and mics and Sonosax and Pro Tools, and we love them. But really, it's your source, and make sure you get good props and uh, don't get a too hard shoe, nice <laughs> round shoe. Because <laughs> often footsteps are way too hard and clacky. Mm. So we get a nice soft shoe, and I find that just a good running shoe works for a lot of characters. I have like seven main different shoes that do like seven main different characters. So that's interesting. <laughs> Thanks for that secret. So there's your your tip of the day. That's some great advice. Well, thank you so much. It has been, I've personally enjoyed this so much, being a live engineer, getting to hear what you actually do behind the scenes. And I know Katie is just, it, it's been a joy. Oh, fangirling. Yeah, well, fantastic. That's so sweet. And I'm really glad you got in touch and I hope to keep in touch. And I'll be listening to your podcast. And, thank you. Thanks. And uh, keep listening and keep creative. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Sound Girls podcast. Sound Girls provides support, career development, and tools to help those working in the field to advance their career. Check out soundgirls.org for more information. If you're looking for more to listen to, here's what our friends in the podcasting community have in store for you. In our modern lives, we spend so much time thinking about what things look like that we tend to forget about our incredible sense of hearing. That's where we come in. I'm Dallas Taylor, and I'm the host of 20,000 Hertz, a podcast that reveals the stories behind the world's most recognizable and interesting sounds. In each episode, we chase down the hidden backstory behind a famous sound or sonic phenomenon. We followed sound designer Ben Burt on his hunt for the sound effects of Star Wars. He was hiking and his backpack caught on a, a guy wire that was leading up to a radio tower, and he heard what sounded like a blaster sound. 
we found out that dinosaurs probably didn't sound anything like Jurassic Park. If we were around when T-Rex was around, we might feel these sounds of the largest dinosaurs more than we would hear them through our ears. We've tracked down the origins of a drum sample that's been used in hundreds of hip hop and electronic songs. During that time, everybody had drum breaks. And we had been doing songs where Greg would play these drum beats. We've explored the challenges of interplanetary communication. It's pretty amazing to think that I could be on Mars and say, Houston, I have a problem. And it'll be 40 minutes before they get back and say, what's up? And we've revealed how the Netflix audio logo almost included the sound of a goat. For a while, we were stuck on that goat sound. I thought that would be a good time. <laughs> this year on 20,000 Hertz, we'll uncover the origins of even more iconic sounds. Our dog. We'll also hear from a few surprise guests. In this run of Daffy, he's not the greedy money. Ooh, that's mine. Give that to me. We're bringing him back to the, uh, I'm Daffy. You know, uh, we are all time travelers going one way. Subscribe to 20,000 Hertz wherever you get your podcasts. That's 20,000 Hertz spelled out without any numbers. Once you see our swirly purple icon, you'll know you're in the right place. And if you're already a fan of the show, tap the share button in your podcast player and post this trailer on Facebook or Twitter, or text it to someone directly who you think would love this show. 